Oh, my friend, this is a really exciting time today. I'm here with my mother, Helen Smallburn. Hi. <laughs> this is such a privilege, and Mom and I get tea time together or coffee time together quite regularly because we are in relationship and we live now one minute away from each other. Pretty grand. We were just recently living in California not too long ago, our little family, and now we're one minute from each other. So she drops by for a cup of tea and and a chat, or I call her on the phone and ask her a parenting question, or I'm like, mom, what do you think about this? Can you pray for me for this? So we are not only mama and daughter, but we are soul sisters. Um, in heart and mom has just been one of my best friends my whole life and it's just very sweet. This is We've so walked sweet. a long journey together, a pretty unique journey that God's had us on and uh, it's so wonderful at the, this season of our lives when you're a mom and I'm a grandma yep. that we're still walking closely together. It's a wonderful. It's an amazing thing. So we're just really inviting anybody listening to just kind of eavesdrop on our tea time, our coffee time and <laughs> our um, living room hang. So it is very much about just, you know, us kind of authentically sharing our stories and the real things that have happened from our lives. And it's not in any way like this is not a expert time at all. Like this is a non-expert time um, really you know, I think it, all of us are just kind of figuring out this whole thing called life. And I think, I, you know, I'm I'm in my early 40s now. And I think at some point when I was younger, I thought, you know, you hit 40 and you must know what life is about. You must just have it all figured out. I mean, I remember dad's 40th birthday mm-hmm. and thinking that you guys, you know, had life squared away. And you get to this age and you go, what? I'm still figuring out so much. And yeah, just tapping the surface on learning what there is to be learned about life. But if there was an expert in the room, Mum, <laughs> it would be you with well, all your you parenting, down. seven children. You've got nine grandkids, all the realm of experiences. You were talking earlier about how many years you were parenting, Well, if you added it up. Uh, we've got seven kids. We have um, bookend girls. So Rebecca's the oldest and Libby's our youngest and then five boys in the middle. Um, there's 14 years between Rebecca and Libby. And so I'm assuming that most people think that your parenting sort of so-called, does it ever finish, but finishes at 18, in which case uh, if you add 14 and 18, you get to 32 years. <laughs> 32 years of being a full-time mum. I would think that that probably makes me a fair, fairly, what I would say, professional mum. Definitely. Yeah. It, it's amazing, mum, and you are such a mom mentor for me, but a mentor in, in tons of areas and um, you, spiritually very much too. And so very thrilled that you're here and you have a lot to share. And we titled this podcast Screen Time because it is a hot topic issue with parents and pretty much every parent I know, we're discussing this pretty regularly because it's something that we're fighting every day. And I read actually something... Um, just recently that was very sobering, that children ages 8 to 18 are on average watching 7 hours and 38 minutes of entertainment media per day. That's like mind-boggling to me. It's incredible. Mind-boggling. No. Um, And that's the average. And that's the average. Oh, my goodness. 
So that was very sobering. But, you know, you, mom, not only have you raised seven kids, you have nine grandkids. So you've, you've done the whole having to decide how much screen time when we were growing up. And then now you've got grandkids and you see what technology is doing. Um, you, and just a little bit about mom too, for you that are listening. Uh, she traveled with me on the road for most of my most intense ministry years. Mm-hmm. And you were running Compassion too. We work with Compassion and you would uh, help people to sign up to sponsor children, which is an amazing ministry. Now you're out on the road for my brothers, who I lovingly call the boys, Joel and Luke out of Fucking Country. You're out on the road running Compassion for them. When they um, encourage people to sponsor kids, you're the head person that's running it for all those volunteers. Um, and then you also, I mean, you have, what, 70, 80 animals <laughs> at the farm uh, my, in Franklin? My latest thing is if you ask me how many animals I have, I, my answer is I have the animals I have. Let's just <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> oh, very, very, very poised and very discreet. But, yeah, mum and dad have a farm, a 40-acre farm just outside Franklin and um, lots of animals. So she's helping kind of run that entourage. And then she also works um, and has for many years with mom to mom and mom life in a mentoring ministry. So this, yeah, again, when we talk about an expert, there is an expert in the room and it's and it's mom. So very and thrilled. I, I can only claim being a hands-on practical, ex- if you want to put the word expert there, expert, because... Yeah. I've had no formal training in term. I mean, I don't know what formal training you well, necessarily occupational have. Occupational therapy. I, yeah, I was an occupational therapist um, before I had a family, but I just think life has a way of teaching you, yeah. and God has a way of teaching you on yeah. the journey. Yeah. And uh, and those are the things that I've seen. I've seen things work and not work. And also, I think with seven children. Um, you have a bunch of different personalities. You oh, have the stronger yeah. ones, you have the quieter ones, and uh, it's not like they're all moulded after one another. So no. different things work for one di- than don't work for another. Well, and on that note, I think, you know, and you'll remember me telling you this, Mum, when I first became a parent five and a half years ago, I I'd read all these books and I'm like prepping for it and, I, you know, I'm kind of type A and I'm, oldest child, responsible, I want to get everything squared away. And I kind of had this very, very naive idea that you've just got to figure out the secrets to great parenting and then you can be a great parent. And I very quickly learned, you know, months into becoming a parent that there is no one way that works for every family or even every child. And it's literally a matter of daily going to God and say, give me the wisdom that I need Yes, seeking counsel is great. Reading books is great. But even as you and I talk about ideas and what we feel like is probably working in my family or for your family, it's a guideline, right, that might that might be helpful. But every per- person's situation is so different that there's just so much grace in all this. It's not like preaching one way and that's cookie cutter and it's going to work for everyone. So that out that put out there, hopefully some of this is helpful for people but um, we're not saying anyone's got it made <laughs> because it's different in every family. I wanted to just um, ask you to start off, what was your philosophy when we were growing up? Albeit it was a different day and age, you know, 40 years ago, uh, TV was the screen that you're dealing with. Now you're dealing with an exorbitant amount of screens. 
um, and possibilities when it comes to media. It was one screen, but that philosophy, I think, is very, very important. I'd love you to speak to that. When, uh, when we started parenting, we were in Australia. Australia did not have at that time cable, so we've got to put it into perspective that we had four channels yeah. of TV, very minimal choice. Um, I've always had a reasonable aversion to TV for the one thing is I hate being sold stuff mm. and I hate being the ads are usually up louder. They're usually obnoxious. Yeah. They're usually about the same screen time as what I'm choosing to watch. So mm. TV for me is a fairly obnoxious media, mm. full stop, really. And to try and feel like I'm being manipulated to think a certain yeah. way or purchase stuff or be cool because I look this way, I just find all that pretty you know, offensive in a way. Yeah, offensive. Yeah. Yeah. So before we left Australia, our choices were minimal. Uh, TV was not a high priority. I think I chose to watch a couple of children's programs maybe in the morning. I think as we watched I'm, Sesame Street. That's about all I remember. Well, Play and School. Play School, okay. Play school was yeah, a British yeah. show and uh, we yeah. watched that. Um, in then the only really other time I think we watched TV was on a Saturday morning so my husband David and I could sleep in. Yep, some, so some it was cute a, little a babysitter yeah. sort of scenario <laughs> right. there. Um, otherwise we watched very minimal TV. Um, when we came to America 28 years ago, we came really with uh, 16 suitcases. You can't fit media in a suitcase uh, and... Uh, we did have we didn't have any TV. We had no furniture. Uh, people, so for a few months, we probably about three months, we had no f- TV at all and minimal furniture. Like I think a bed. We were made beds out of clothes. Well, and to reference that back, if if people want to find out a bit more, I shared about our kind of living by faith story early on when we first moved to the US in the first podcast. Um, so people can reference back to the Purpose podcast. Yeah, so one of the first miracles that we really saw was a local church who knew that we were had no furniture came and furnished our house, and they offered to give us TVs. And mm. I was like, you know what, we can't, we have not even cable remember that. or anything. <laughs> so I said, you know, we're fine. Oh, you know, no, don't worry about it. So the first TV we had in America was about uh, four months after we came and it was a 13-inch VHS with a 13-inch screen and a VHS underneath, and it came in a van that we bought. Yeah. And so... But an old van. An like old I mean, van. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was what we had. Yeah, that and was it. And we lasted with that for four years. But you know what I remember too, Mum, about that? Okay, yeah, it's not very appealing because I don't think we had any TV signal at all, right? No, it was just, no, just the VHS no. that we were watching. But you set um, a little card, and we were homeschooling, so I don't know if it came in a homeschooling curriculum or something, that says, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. And I think it's out of Deuteronomy. But you put this little card on the top of our um, TV. And I think even with you know, what we were thinking about watching, even on VHS, it just kind of gives you that filter of like, I'm going to be honoring to God in what I choose, even though my my options at that point were very limited. I just remember that standing out very vividly at that time. And I think that that's really helpful. Either oh, to have you've, got it a, you've got a better there. memory than me because I don't remember it. But I do think strongly that the Bible does address 
guard your heart, oh. for out of the heart is the wellspring of life. Absolutely. Um, and then the other verse that says, uh, Philippians the, think on the things, things that are pure and honest and of good report. Like Philippians for it. Yeah. There's there's some things there that I think have to translate yep. into media. Yeah. Um, because uh, those are the things that show us our values. Those are the things that we're putting before us. Those are the things that are shaping the way we think. Um, after having that four years plus, I think it would end up six years that we only had that little 13-inch TV with VHS, I realised the value of me choosing what we're watching. Yeah. So I we only put in that VHS what we cho- what I yeah. chose yeah. for the family to watch. Yeah. I wasn't being seduced by TV, by the kids, by ads. Like I saw one of my grandkids watch um, a bunch of ads uh, on a television uh, just recently and they sat there and after the five or ten minutes of the ads or on a kid's station, I sat there and said, I want all of those things. I think that might have been my daughter. <laughs> and I just oh, thought, and I just thought that is what sure. they're trying to oh, get us to do. Drawn in. They're trying to make us think a certain way. This is the cool toy. This is what yep. you need and in your life. And look how happy those kids mm. look when they have mm. that toy. Mm. Absolutely. So those are the things I try to, I've tried yeah. to avoid. Yeah. So it wasn't until you probably were about 20 or 21 that one of our sons, Ben, who I think at the time was about 16, don't know how he had money, but he one Christmas said, Mum, can I buy the family a TV? But he knew so much my <laughs> attitude towards the whole thing that he actually had to come and ask. Yeah. And I felt like at that point with kids getting older um, that they and having had such a long period of time where the media was very controlled, like basically nil, that uh, it was okay for us to do that. And we did then get a TV. Um, but frankly, it was then a number of years after that that we actually even got cable. And then yeah. I think we only got cable because you had to get internet. To get internet, you had to get cable with yeah, with it. Totally. Well, Mum, I think you've probably got a mum that's listening right now or a mom if you need a <laughs> translation to a more of an American accent. Um, a mom that's listening right now that says that sounds like the dream. All the restrictions that we had when we were kids of like in Australia, only a few, you know, actual TV uh, channels, channels that we had and then the limitations of kind of the living by faith period that we were in. That sounds like the dream because then I wouldn't have my kids pestering me about all these different options of technology. What do you say, because I know you're saying it, to the mums that you're mentoring like very regularly right now that are having to tell their kids no, 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 all the time and it's and it's wearying and they just don't know how much is okay and how much isn't and they're in the thick of it because this is a big issue. I am definitely feel sad for mums these days, uh, for families these days because the options and even for us, you know, how often do we see any of us without a telephone in our hands, you know. Um, I feel sad for um, the impact that that's having on families and relationships. Um, So it is difficult, I think, for me to address being in my 60s, this current generation. But my advice is you control them. You control what as they're the, watching. As mum, dad, yeah. you can no, you You're control the, the media. You're the oh, gatekeeper. Right, right, right. 
you're you're the gatekeeper of the phones. You're the gatekeeper of the iPads. You're the gatekeeper to the TV. Yeah. You control the yep. remote control. Yep. Um, That's good. And when I have grandkids now come to our place, regardless really of what they're used to doing in their own families. Yep. Um, I will say if they come with an iPad, uh, Nana has the iPad. Yep. And I'll give it to you when I choose to give it to you. Yeah. And we'll get in the car. Can I have my iPad, Nana? Can I have your phone? No, we're going to sit here and look out the window and talk. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer that f- cars are a great way to start opening communication with kids. Yeah. Uh, when you're in a car, no one can escape. <laughs> you can't escape. They can't escape. It's yep. a great opportunity to open up conversations about different things. When the kids, when you guys were young. Yeah. Uh, we had a bench seat in those days across the front and uh, I'm talking about 1980s probably and yeah, there the kids would fight. You all oh, would fight it. over trying to get in that middle front seat Between because mom and dad. we would have the best conversations. The best. And then the next eldest would fight to be in the row behind <laughs> because those were the ones where they could at least hear in of oh. Onto yes. the conversation. So the babies were relegated to the back seat <laughs> <laughs> because they had no choices. Yeah. Um, but we we had some of our best conversations. I agree. And over many years we've travelled so many miles. I'd hate to think of how many hundreds of thousand, million miles, whatever, that we've travelled locked up in a car together. And They're uh, magical times. They've been incredible times. Such incredible conversation about life, about faith, about, you know, you guys' stories that we would love. We, we did fight over that middle seat. Um, and I remember we would sing. Mm-hmm. We, like, all of us are musical to varying degrees. I'm the least musical, just so everybody knows. They definitely didn't get any musical talent from me. No, she can hold a tune. But we would sing in harmony, three-part harmonies. We... We, I think I learned to sing harmony in the car, actually. Like I just, and then we would make up games. We would just play. And it really ties into something that I feel like was a key that you have shown me in your parenting our whole lives. And that is that boredom is not a bad thing because it encourages creativity. And I had, when I was pregnant with Gemma, I went to a seminar at our church in San Diego where we were living at the time. And it was a technology expert, a, a Christian technology expert who'd written tons of books on it. And he was talking about the effects of too much media and too much screen time on children's brains and how it actually limits the brain pathways and how um, it can be very negative for them. And at the end, he had a Q&A time. And I said, look, and I was visibly pregnant at that point. I said, I'm about to have a baby. If you could say one thing to me as a almost mom, um, what would it be in your advice? And he said, let your children be bored. Let your children be bored because he said it just opens up all kinds of creativity. And, you know, and I'm homeschooling uh, Gemma right now, just started and, and it's um, been a really sweet bonding time with her and I. And I saw it the other day, just the creativity that she is is showing us. Like we built something in homeschool that was a rocket ship and within a two-day period, it had become not just a rocket ship that we'd made a princess rainbow rocket ship with the (laughs) colors on it, but then it was a puppet show house and it was a store. And that remarkable creativity of children 
is fostered in an environment where they have to entertain themselves. And you you encourage that all throughout our childhood. I think uh, uh, there are studies done that children from uh, probably when they're very young to I think about seven or eight are their major times of play and creativity. And that needs to be the major focus, that they play. Yeah. They're saying educational games, learning, alphabets, whatever. It's not a bigger priority as a child knowing how to play. Yeah. And so I th- I was a big believer in creative play. Um, yeah. We built forts, if you remember, with boxes, um, boxes and, and uh, sheets and yeah. all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, Legos was always a great delight because yeah. the creativity when it comes to that is unlimited. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of tools that you can have um, that lead to creativity. Uh, I was not, which you would know, um, a huge sit down and play with kids type of person. A lot of times I'm just just too busy. Yeah. Um, but if it came to a point where a child was really struggling, I would end up saying, well, listen, you know, mummy's got to go and do, uh, got to put the laundry on or I've got to fold the laundry or I've got to pack the dishwasher or I've got to unpack the dish, whatever the job might be. And I'd say, you come and help me. And then I'll come and help you for a bit. Yes. And so there was a trade a lot of times because then I could feel like not sitting there playing with your child and thinking, oh, gosh, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm just wasting time. (laughs) I really should be out there getting some work done. And it was a bit of a trade where a child then learns to understand that I do have stuff I need to do. They come into your world and you come into theirs. And sometimes it's just you starting them. Facilitating it. Yeah, Yeah. facilitating, giving them the ideas and then they can run with it on their own. Cardboard boxes, what a huge gift. I remember when you were four years old and I had a two-year-old and a baby, (laughs) you would had some cardboard boxes and you made a train and I've got a picture of you tying the boxes together with rope and, you know, your younger brother was sitting in the second box. I'm not sure the baby was in the third, but, you know, it was... It's just creativity. It's just seeing the potential with basic stuff and uh, such a huge, huge blessing. One of the things I loved about the program Play School, which came out of England, England, which is a British program, and also then went to Australia because they never used commercial Toys. toys or stuff. They always pretend played mm, out of what things they had. you have at home. Yeah. And I just loved the fact that that would stimulate you into seeing the potential with what's around you. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I think that there's – one of the things that I remember too, you know, the, when you're talking about making a choice between screen time, which often, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent with two small children, often is – the seemingly easier route to oh, go definitely. when you've got stuff to do. Definitely. It's probably the easiest thing to do to set them in front of, you know, a, a TV. And, I mean, there is a lot of good good programs. I don't think we're trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's there's some good stuff out there that, that can be helpful to kids. Agreed. Um, but what I saw you do more often than not when we were kids and we were bored was you said, go outside, especially if the boys would get kind of rowdy and they had too much energy. energy. You'd be like, okay, do go do a couple laps around the house um, or go outside and play. Go go find something to do. Now, not every parent has that option. but Every parent has the option of having a child run around the house. Well, maybe not in New <laughs> maybe York. Not. Maybe not in New All York. Right, fair yeah, enough. But fair enough. they could still 
have Legos or have something where the child can be playing creatively in their room or nearby if you've got stuff to do and you're pointing them to something creative, like even the box thing that you just talked about, you're pointing them to something creative rather than the easier option. Now, do you, when you're talking to moms, do you give kind of a guideline for, I think this is an excessive amount of... No, I don't no. give guide. I think that has to be for every parent to discern it's, themselves. Yeah. I The guidelines I basically suggest for people is one, you control them. So if a child were to come to me and say, can I have your phone? Unless, most of the time I would answer no. Yeah. Unless I felt like gosh, you know what, they've been incredibly patient. This has been a hard time. Yeah. I want to reward them for being so well behaved. Yeah. Then I might say yes. Yeah. Um, other times I would suggest is the things I suggest are no phones in rooms, no yes. media in rooms. Yes, absolutely. Um, no iPads in rooms, no computers in no rooms. TV. No No TV in rooms, right. no phones in rooms. Yeah. Computers. Because, because privacy, especially with children, can lead to them discovering shameful right. things and then they're hiding it and you don't even know, right? Yeah. yeah. And computers are being a public place yep. um, so that you know what's being used. Um, phones, media to me should be more a reward yes. than a yes. necessity. Yes. Um, and good behaviour reward, um, sitting quietly, being a part of things, um, you know, out in, when they're out and about, if they've sat, like, for example, you go to a restaurant. The saddest thing for me is when I see a family, and I don't care whether what their ages are, where they're all on their phones. Yeah. Or the parents, adults are talking and the kids are disconnected on their phones. Yeah. It's, it breaks my heart. Yes. To see that. Yes. However... Restaurants can be a very frustrating place to be with children. So for one, you need to take stuff. Especially small children. Especially small yeah. children. So you need to take stuff and be wise in what you take. Yeah. Even if you have a bag that is not full of stuff they normally have. Yeah. But it's original, unique uh, toys, mm -hmm. activities that they don't normally have on a day-by-day -day yeah. basis, yeah. that you take that with you. So wherever you go, you have an alternative. Yeah. And then secondly... I've been in a restaurant where they've forgotten our order and we have sat there with four kids <laughs> for, for an hour. Oh, gosh. And in that point of time, you know, my husband's taking them out and we're walking. Those sorts of scenarios, yeah. I, media would probably be a great yes. asset. Yes. We didn't necessarily have that. So then I, I can remember a birthday party and we went to a Chinese restaurant back in Australia. We would have had four kids and uh, it was my birthday. This was a family celebration oh, and they didn't get our order. And we sat there and sat there. And then in the end, my husband said, uh, is out? I mean, the kids had enough. Oh, yeah. It's getting late. Yeah. And my husband went to the waiter and said, um, when's our food coming? Because we've really had enough. And he went back to the kitchen and realised that it hadn't been submitted. Oh, gosh. And at that point, he is sitting on the stairs with, I think, three kids. Oh, I might have had a baby. And I'm sitting there looking at the empty table thinking, Ooh, this isn't this is really what, this is my birthday. Yeah. This isn't really what I had in mind. Yeah. In a scenario like that, yeah. media then becomes a tool to For help sure. keep the kids in. Well, and you just survive it. You know, I, I, think, I think you hit on something so, so important. You know, and, and you're also hitting on self-care. I think self-care, we're going to do a podcast on that coming up, but 
is an important thing as a mom. And oftentimes we don't really preserve our own selves. It's like there's so many needs and you're so busy as a mom, especially with, with young children, growing children, lots of needs that having any form of self-care in the process is is difficult. So in that environment, it definitely would have helped to have, have a phone and have, have something that could have helped. Um, and that is a good time to, to use that and utilize that. But I also think that there's a moment um, where you do just need a minute. You, I mean, mm. you need maybe a half mm. an hour even to do your devotions or like unpack the dishwasher or go have a shower, wash mm. your face, do something in the realm of self-care and having a good program that they can sit in front of that is trusted is, is and really great. And that's when I say I control the remote. Yeah. I control the media. Yeah. In that way, then if it is appropriate for me, if it does help me do all those things yeah. that you said, yeah. then yes, yeah. I would put something on yeah. and say, or again as a reward, or again if they've been outside playing or they've been playing creatively and yeah. it's finished, yeah. then then it's a good um, segue yeah. into the next activity yeah. where they can just relax for a while. We all get tired. Yeah. We all just need a break. Yes. That's when I use it. Yes. So it's me choosing the times, not a child demanding the times. Yes. If a child, if one of my grandkids comes and demands my phone, I would just say no. Yeah, for sure. And if they tantrum, they tantrum. Yeah. That's just par for the course. For sure. Uh, until they learn that I control the media. Yeah. And if I choose that it's time for them to have something, then I will choose that yeah. time. Yeah. And and it's discouraging any sense of entitlement or, yeah, or rude behaviour too, really, or uh, that sense of being demanding. That's really good. I, in wrapping up, there's probably a mom listening. I'm speaking to a mom that's listening right now or a dad too that's just discouraged. They just feel kind of beaten up by this culture that they're just trying to keep at bay all the time, just trying to keep the demons away, really, that are trying to infiltrate family life and bring values, you know, that are anti what we believe, you know. And and I'm even thinking back to something you said earlier that too much screen time, and again, things are in balance. You've got to keep things in balance, right? But too much screen time can be such, can hit so hard on something that is key to life as as believers, and that is we are relational creatures. Mm. We are made to love God and love others. That's yeah. the center of our faith. And if something like this is coming in and taking away from relationship, which is why we're built and a big part of why we're here, then it is, it, it, you know, we've got to be really careful about how we handle that. So, but to the person that's listening right now and is discouraged, what can you say? To just put some it wind needs, in their sails. It, everything in life we do is a stop, think, and baby steps. Mm. I mean, you're not going, unless you as a husband and wife choose to have a media fast, right. which I'm not against, yeah. uh, for a every certain now and period again, of time, good, you know, every three idea. months, have a week of a media fast. But that means mum and dad too. So right. mum and dad are going to have to count the cost on that. Right. Uh, which, yeah. because we're modelling to our kids, we are how we respond to media, yeah. how we respond to our phones. Those are the things we're watching. So, if you're going to do a media fast, I would suggest it for a week. It probably is not a, a, is a good thing to do every three or months. Or even a weekend might be <laughs> maybe might a be weekend a baby step. Yeah, you right, know, right. Um, 
that I think is a healthy thing. So remember, it's you're not going to change overnight. Yeah. But you've got to be intentional about taking small steps, yeah. about remembering to put them away. No, yeah. you're not going to watch a movie. Yeah. And frankly, kids have to learn to be told no. Yes. And what I say to my kids who are now kids, practice it at home. Yeah. So say no at home. So when a kid comes and says, Mummy, I want your phone, I'm bored, I've had enough, no. Mm -hmm. Then if they're going to throw themselves on the ground and tantrum, if they're going to pick up something and throw it, whatever, you know, response you get, you can deal with it in the privacy of your home. Yes. Then when you get out and about into a public place, into a restaurant, into you know, uh, I don't know, a shopping centre, whatever, then you can, you've already practised that they can accept a no. Yes. And maybe what the consequences of having a no will mean. Yeah. And hopefully they will respond in a much better way. But any behaviour you want to see out in the public has to be practised at home, yeah. which makes it hard because you actually know you're creating an uncomfortable or hard situation at home. But do baby steps. Yeah. Just keep and it does moving get forward easier. and it does get easier. Yeah. I feel like with Gemma there was a time where she was asking all the time, you know, like just multiple times a day, can I have a phone? Can I, can I watch TV? Can I do this? And I've said no enough now and she knows that more, more media is more of a reward or in a special situation where mommy needs it or she needs some kind of chill time and I offer it. And so she doesn't really ask that much anymore. She just kind of plays more creatively. And so I thank you for kind of speaking into my life as a parent, but then also for what you did for all of us seven kids growing up, because there had to be times where that was difficult, where even at that point, again, where media wasn't quite as everywhere in the culture like it is now, but you were still countercultural even at that point. People mm. were probably watching a lot more TV in other families than we were. But thank you for that because I, I look at all my siblings, all of us are in various forms of ministry and creativity. And I think a lot of that had to do with you saying no a lot of times to screen time. And so thank you for what you did. I just wanted in, um, in our last minute if you could just pray for Uh, that parent that's out there that just needs some encouragement, just cover them right now. Lord Jesus, we come to you as the author of wisdom. You give us wisdom on this journey. You give us guidelines to live by. We just pray for the families that are out there, the mums and dads who are listening. Encourage them on their journey. Speak to them individually about what their family should look like and how to get there step by step, just little steps. Just encourage them that they're to keep on keeping on, um, that every day they can make new choices. I just pray that you will turn each of these families and homes to look to you as a source and giver of wisdom. And uh, just pray that you'll bless them as they make these choices, guide them, give them wisdom. And uh, we just thank you that we can be involved in each other's lives and encourage each other on this journey and uh, we thank you for the families that you've given us, the children you've given us and uh, just guide us in the journey because we need you so very much. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ma. Appreciate your wisdom. Love you so much. (laughs) 